data risky animal memory. Welcome to We Should Know Better, the podcast where we hitchhike through Wikipedia like a bunch of little fact hoppers. I'm, I'll see you in court, Kyle, and with me as always are my easy D's. Uh, History Nation, Sky. <laughs> History of the Nation. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, buy this lovely uh, bracelet, Tim. Well, uh, I'm I'm so glad you guys went with me on that. I I know I really did make a resolution earlier this year to say that I was not going to do these jokes, but ah, oh, they're just right there. They're just right there, and it's so hard not to. I feel like I'm doing you guys a disservice not to if, if you know if I let if I let these things go by. Uh, anyway, if you've never listened to the show before, here's how it works. As the host, I've picked two pages on Wikipedia. These two guys will have to race from one page to the other using only links on the pages to see who gets there first. Tonight, uh, we've got a couple different pages to go to. We're going to start on a, a page you might not know very well and go to a page I think you'll know a little bit better, but hopefully we'll learn a lot in the process. So we're going to start with uh, Big Mama Thornton. Okay. And is this the subject of Big Mama's house? No, no. Okay. There's a specific reason that I'm starting here, though, because we we had a discussion about indirectly. We had a discussion about her a while ago, um, and then we are going to be going tonight to Project Mercury. Project uh, Mercury. Project Mercury, as in John Glenn's uh, trip around the uh, trip around the globe. Okay. So, oh dear. Uh, yeah. So, um, I can't anyway. figure out why, why would you connect these two things? I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> it's so bizarre. That's so weird. It's like we have a whole month dedicated to this. Did you, did you see a movie <laughs> recently, Kyle? Possibly. Possibly. Uh, um, anyway, so I wanted to talk about, uh, I want to talk about big mom, mama Thornton a little bit. Uh, but, I'm going to start with something that's a little slightly uh, more time sensitive to us today. And uh, you guys, I just want to wish you guys a happy Valentine's Day a couple days early. Uh, although I guess by the time this actually airs, uh, it will have been Valentine's Day for a full 24 hours already. So uh, happy Valentine's Day, you guys. You guys are both my Valentines always. Aw, thanks. Right back, back to you. Aww. And all our listeners are also... Yeah, I could kind of take or leave our list. No, I'm joking. Mm. Uh, I will take the listeners. Okay. Uh, but for our opening game tonight, we're going to do a little bit of uh, gift giving. So I will be ordering you guys for for Valentine's. You'll be getting uh, the best, most heartfelt gift that anyone could give anyone on Valentine's Day, and that is your very own edible arrangement. And we are going to tonight for our opening game you guys get to design your own edible arrangement with oh the best foods what the, the best foods that you can think of what i want to know what your optimal edible arrangement would be now you don't have to it, the foods don't have to be solid you could we'll just assume that you can make them into some kind of shape that you can stick them on like i don't know like people like make like cake pops or whatever uh so you can pick whatever you like and whoever picks the whoever creates the best edible arrangement uh in my in my estimation will get to get to go first tonight and also me might actually get that edible arrangement so uh you guys take a second to decide what you want and uh, <laughs> and then we will see who gets to get their order, you know, made real as close to real as we can. <laughs> In the meantime, while you guys are thinking about it, I actually uh, I did actually want to put together a quiz on edible arrangements, but it turns out there's a lot less like press out there about it. Like, I really, I was trying to find out, like, what was the first edible, like, what was the very first thing that he put together and was like, huh, I can make a store out of this. And 
there's no there's no record of that anywhere like no one wrote that down lizard on a stick <laughs> but uh i didn't realize that this that the the edible arrangements has only been around as long as 1999 like it seems like a lot older of a thing yeah uh, but but uh, a guy named Tariq Farid made uh, uh, started edible arrangements in 1999 after running a uh, a flower shop on his own since he was 16, 16 uh, when he was still in high school, uh, and it started. And it, this feels about the right pitch, but it started in Connecticut and then went across the U.S. from there. So uh, they have more than a thousand stores uh, uh, nationwide. And now if you guys have your orders ready, we can, yeah, I can get to, I can get down to the business of, of, uh, putting in the orders for these online. Okay. I got my order. All right. What do you want? I want a, uh, a bouquet. <laughs> Is it bouquet or bouquet? <laughs> I think either one is. I don't bouquet. really get these often, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, I want an arrangement. Oh, there we go. Yes. Of marshmallows. Okay. Large marshmallows. Yes. On... Large marshmallows. Hold on. Uh, just for the detail, how large of a marshmallow are we talking about? Um, I would say like up to up to <laughs> up to soup can size. Whoa. <laughs> okay. All right. And I Large want them, marshmallows. I want them dusted in cocoa. And soaked in brandy. Oh, sorry, I lost you for a second. Are you there? Yes. Okay, I I missed I missed what you said. After I want the them, large marshmallows. I want them dusted in cocoa. Wow. And soaked in brandy. Whoa. So I can light them on fire. And do like a fire dance with them. So you're gonna do like what? It, it's poi, isn't it? That like you're gonna be doing like a okay. Yep. Wow, that is that's intense. Yeah, I All mean, right. I, I thought you know, make a show out of it too. I like it, dinner and a show. Uh, I don't right, think Sky. there's. I mean, it's it's perfectly safe. I mean, I'm sure flaming, <laughs> flaming molten marshmallow <laughs> flying off of uh, long sticks. Never hurt is, anyone. <laughs> never hurt anyone. Right. That's right. All right, Sky. What do you got? Uh. I want a full rack of ribs, uh, each separated and stuck on a stick so that you don't have to get your hands all gross, but That's then you, brilliant. You, you eat a whole, a whole, a whole thing of ribs. Sky, I'm so That's, proud of you for having gone. So that's the most practical possible edible arrangement. Yeah. I had ribs this weekend, so oh. I was kind of thinking like, man, I wish all these ribs were just on sticks. <laughs> well, Sky, we can make that happen because but I'm I could give yours. to a loved one. <laughs> I am I Tim. I love the idea of the flaming marshmallow bouquet, <laughs> but I gotta go with the outright practicality of the rib bouquet. So I I'm sorry, but Sky, you you win this one. Well done. So, so you're you're going to try to make this a reality then. I mean, I'm going to look as far as I'm going to look on the website and see if they offer it. And if they don't, oh, well, that's I mean, that's the farthest I'm going. <laughs> that's my commitment to this show. You know that. Edible arrangements, ribs. Uh, mm. Nothing here. Oh, ribs, a on a, ribs on sticks. <laughs> I mean, that's stick probably on, a real Stick thing. to ribs. Rib sticks. <laughs> what? <laughs> I mean people talk about them being sticky you're probably going to get a lot of links to stuff like that yeah okay. nobody's thought of this for some well, reason let's i'm sure there's implications that do not make this a profitable venture <laughs> let's email Tariq farid right now <laughs> um i did actually look up like some of the process that they do for this it does not sound appetizing that in order to make the fruit so that it doesn't you know rot and so that it can be shipped and or delivered safely yeah like a lot of it has to be covered in a in sort of sort of an edible wax that's not I, real tasty sometimes uh, i was gonna say there's probably a reason that it didn't pop up until recently mm. like that it's not an old thing it's probably because yeah logistics 
<laughs> yes, logistics are the enemy of everything fun. Um, so anyway, all right, Sky, uh, you get to start us off tonight on our race from Big Mama Thornton to Project Mercury. So Willie Mae, Big Mama Thornton, uh, was an American rhythm and blues singer and songwriter. Uh, she was born in 1926 and died in 1984. She was the first to record Lieber and Stroller's Hound Dog in 1952, uh, which became her biggest hit, staying seven weeks at number one on the Billboard R&B chart in 1953 and selling almost two million copies. However, her, her success was overshadowed three years later when Elvis Presley recorded his more popular rendition of Hound Dog. That's where she. That's where huh. she comes in. Yep. Um, have you guys? I I know I brought this up a while ago because I recently discovered, or I I stumbled across her uh, version of Hound Dog. Yeah. And I um, <laughs> I, I I went to listen to it and I was just like clicking through it. I I mean I realized that this is not that old, so like even the the music, you know, like the recording was going to be pretty decent quality. Uh, but then I was like, all right, you know, this is probably going to be a little scratchy. It's going to be a little quiet, whatever. So I'm sitting there at my computer and I click play on the YouTube link and I about fell out of my chair. Uh, this woman you should get has, your chair fixed. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this woman's voice is the strongest voice I've ever heard. Like it, it's powerful. And uh, well, did you guys, <clears throat> yeah. Did you guys actually hear it? I'm going to listen right now. Well, you should. Because it's and a sky. Movie. You should put a sample right here. You ain't nothing but a want to do that you don't actually have to do it but no, no, it's, it's if you good. do if you don't do it then edit that out please no no you sure, you, you, you kind of you channeled uh you channeled strong bad there that was pretty good so her her voice in that like yeah we've all heard like the well, <laughs> the gut sexuality of elvis presley <laughs> in his version <laughs> <laughs> yeah just bring oh, yeah. that back she, she has a robust <laughs> voice oh my gosh it's intense and uh, there's even on the, the actual page for the Hound Dog song, there's some discussion about how she approached it. Like at first she kind of came at it a little bit operatic, um, but then realized, you know, like she went back and forth on it. Mm. Oh, like, oh, wait, like, I, you know, you're telling a guy off in this song mm. and yeah. he's he's just no good. And oh, man. You you get all of that <laughs> from her in this in this uh, in her rendition of it. Also, her lyrics make a ton more sense. But anyway, yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, so uh, anyway, to go on a little bit more about her down there uh, in this in the rest of the page, they talk about how her deep, powerful voice and strong sense of self uh, characterize her performances. Um, and so she was a lot different uh, from other of other kind of musical lyrical uh expectations for black women at the time um interestingly uh she actually she actually used a lot of gender non-normative ideas in her in her dress and style and mannerisms on stage uh it looks it says here that she often dresses a man in her performances wearing work shirts and slacks she did not care about the opinions of others and was openly gay and performed risque songs unabashedly quote cited um yeah so she seems like a cool lady yeah she said uh my singing uh my singing comes from my experience my own experience i never had no one teach me nothing I never went to school mm. for music or nothing. I taught myself to sing and to blow harmonica and even to play drums by watching other people. I can't read music, but I know what I'm singing. I don't sing like nobody but myself. That's right. Pretty <laughs> oh my cool. Gosh. Oh. Um, all right. Uh, well, I did see one thing that kept, that that uh, caught my eye as I was looking through here. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, Thornton's performances were characterized by her deep, powerful voice and strong sense of self. Um, she was given her nickname Big Mama by Frank Schniffman. Schiffman, sure. uh, yeah, the manager of Harlem's <laughs> Apollo Theater. Yep. So I'm going to click on Apollo Theater. You're see where that gets the me. Apollo Suite. All right. <clears throat> that was one place I wanted to go to. I also wanted to mention that uh, she uh, had the help of someone named Diamond Teeth Mary. Oh, I missed that. Where? What? Uh in 1940, she left home and with the help of Diamond Teeth Mary, joined oh Sammy Green's Hot Harlem <laughs> Review and was soon billed as the new Bessie Smith. Amazing. Those are all names that feel like they belong in a um, like Broadway musical <laughs> of some sort. <laughs> Diamond uh, Teeth Mary, who was a gospel singer, apparently. One of the American other- blues gospel singer and vaudeville entertainer. That's pretty awesome. His career as a performer extended from the 1910s to the 1990s. What? Yep. That's born a in Huntington, West Virginia in 1902, died in 2000 in St. Petersburg, Florida. That's pretty cool. Age in 97. Yikes. <clears throat> her diamond teeth got her like a <laughs> long life. <laughs> it's all that uh, extra carbon. <laughs> uh, so I, I did see Apollo Theater too, and I was thinking of going there. Mm. Uh, but I did have a backup, thankfully. Yeah. Um, it's probably a stretch. Why not? Let's do it. Um, especially now that I can't find it. Uh-oh. Oh, because <clears throat> I'm in the wrong spot. Uh, so there's Apollo Theater, and then there's Mercury Records. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding? Oh, nice. <laughs> you know, I, I'm going to Mercury Records. I Honestly, though, I'm not expecting this to get me to <laughs> yeah. anything having to do with celestial bodies. <laughs> But I'm going to I'm going to try. <clears throat> I admire your gumption, Tim. Let's go. All right, uh, Sky. Let's go to the Apollo. The Apollo Theater is in the Harlem neighborhood of Manhattan, New York City, and it's a music hall, which is a noted venue for African American performers. Uh, it was home of Showtime at the Apollo, a nationally syndicated television variety show which showcased new talent from 1987 to 2008, encompassing 1,093 episodes. So it's a big old theater. Um, That's right. Uh, the building, which later became the Apollo Theater, was built in 1913 th- to 1914 and was designed by architect George Keister, mm. who also designed the First Baptist Church of the City in New York. Crazy crazy mm. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah <laughs> sure and then in the 1930s it fell into disrepair and closed uh it looks like it it kind of did this a few times going back and forth uh originally a typical show presented the apollo was akin to a vaudeville show including a chorus line of beautiful girls as the years progressed such variety shows were presented less often mm. uh, and then it had sort of a swing era that it became pretty popular there were amateur nights um, Jimi Hendrix won the first prize in an amateur magician, uh, magician, in an amateur <laughs> magician contest at the Apollo. Whoa! Amateur okay, magician contest off, at the Apollo in 1964. I yep. would love to see that. <laughs> I mean, he's a great, he's 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 a great uh, artist, but he's just an amateur magician, so it makes sense. <laughs> for my next, for my next move, I will kiss the sky. Dang it, Tim! I you would, took this, uh, <laughs> stole that right out from under me. I would mm-hmm. love to go to just an amateur night for mag- like like an open <laughs> an open like mic night open, open magic or, night oh yeah open gosh. magic night for magicians would be like the best <laughs> oh my gosh the you're right best can, can um, we need to search for this right now and and see if that's a <laughs> that's got to be a thing somewhere right yeah maybe <laughs> no. Uh, like although this, the 1960s oh, okay, were the venue's most successful decade, uh, in the following decade, the drug problem in Harlem, with its atten- attendant robberies and thefts, was the cause of its closing in 1976 after an eight-year-old boy was shot to death. Oh, man. They produced television specials in 2001. The architecture films Buyer Blinder Bell, which specializes in the restoration of historic buildings, began a restoration of the theater's interior. So the Apollo Theater draws an estimated 1.3 million visitors annually. So people going, 
Go and see it. Uh, the Apollo Theater Legends Hall of Fame was inducted, has inducted such renowned performers and music industry figures as Aretha Franklin, James Brown, Michael Jackson, Supremes, just a bunch of people. Smokey I Robinson, love, the Pips. I love all the links. It's just an entire paragraph of blue. Yeah, it's so good. It, it's it's a gold mine <laughs> if we were going anywhere relevant to that entertainment related yes yeah would you you believe that i had to work really hard to not do that (laughs) oh yeah i'm sure in this Uh, one yeah this is tough um there is i mean they don't mention anything about like where the name came from (laughs) well i wasn't even worried about space i was like if i can get like even to like the greek god you know that would get me somewhere um but they do not so, hmm. I, I actually think... like this little this little bit here. The, the in the in one of the opening paragraphs, they say the song "I May Be Wrong, But I Think You're Wonderful" by Harry Sullivan and Harry Ruskin, written in 1929, uh, became the theme song of the theater, uh, which is sweet, I guess, on its own. But then they also have that as citation needed. So someone does not agree that that is Someone's the theme not song. Agree. Like, yeah. Nope. It's not my theme song. It's like, you're right. You may be wrong. Oh, uh, all right, Sky. I'm sorry. Where would you like to go? Man, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> man, do I, <laughs> do, I got, go to, do I go to Louis Armstrong? I was about to make that connection. Yes. Like, oh, would, man, if like, if that, <laughs> Like no, if somebody did think... me a solid on Louis Armstrong page, <laughs> that would be amazing. You want to uh, you you want to call one of your friends and see if they can't edit one. See of if the, they can't edit it. I mean, quick... the thing is, is like I'm not seeing anything here besides like mm. maybe Har- Harlem, but there's nothing in here that's going to get me closer. I'm gonna click. I'm gonna click on Louis Armstrong and see where. Oh my gosh, you guys are the best. Where I end up. All right. All right. Tim, let's go to Mercury Records. I think this might be a long night. Oh, boy. (laughs) Uh, So Mercury Records is an American-based record label owned by Universal Music Group. There's so many, like, star and celestial references in here, but nothing that actually leads to space. Are you kidding? I'm not kidding. Uh, Since the separation uh, of Island Records, uh, Mercury Records operated through Island Records. Uh, But Island Records then separated since the separation of island <laughs> records motown mercury records and def jam recordings combining the island def jam music group mercury records has been placed under island records although its back catalog is still owned by the island def jam music group that is a mm. web of recording wow i have i mean i read it and i have no idea i have no <laughs> picture of how that uh how that, how that hierarchy works <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was formed in the American city of Chicago in 1945. Uh, in 1946, Mercury hired Eddie Gadell, an American with dwarfism, most notable for participating in a major league baseball game. What? Oh my gosh. To portray the Mercury man, complete with a winged hat similar to its logo to promote Mercury recordings. Wait, what? Yeah. Wait, what? Really? <laughs> yep. Hold on, I gotta look this up. You you continue. I will look this up. Some early Mercury recordings featured a caricature of him as his logo. Uh, da, 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 da. They had a jazz division. Boy. Uh, with more fun uh, musician names: <clears throat> Max Roach, Dinah Washington, Cannonball Adderley. Oh wow, that's great. Yep, Jimmy Cleveland. And others, none uh, who have been into space, unfortunately, <laughs> that I know of. That's yeah, that is a shame. Um, wow, they in the later history they it mentions a lot of non music companies or companies you wouldn't really associate with music, such as Philips. Although Philips does have its own record company, uh, they signed an exchange agreement with the American Record Company. A year later, Mercury was sold to Consolidated Electronics Industry Corps, a.k.a. Canelco. Oh, my gosh. Guys, record industry, like, backroom talk is 
more boring than I thought. <laughs> I was going to say, like, this is this is all, a really deep page, but I really thought it would be more interesting than this. All the movies make it seem pretty interesting. Yeah. Surprise. In, in July 1967, Mercury Records became the first U.S. record company to release cassette music tapes. Oh. So that's cool. That is kind of cool, actually. Uh, known as music cassettes. One word. What? Yep. <laughs> Wait, music cassettes. <laughs> well, I guess I'm calling them that from now on. Music cassettes. Can you put on that music cassette? <laughs> can you, can you spin that music compact disc? <laughs> music compact disc. I like it. Oh, Can you man. play that music MP3? <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Uh, um, I was I was talking with uh, Stephen the other day about how like the concept of a mixtape is something that doesn't exist anymore. Really, like a playlist. Yes. Yep. But, it's like a radio show compared to a podcast. Mm, like. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a thing, but yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I was, it's one of those things where like, I don't know how to explain that to my, like, again, this is one of those things that I'm not sure how I, I would explain this to my nephews and nieces. Like, well, it's like a playlist, but it has a finite amount of space. Like it ends after a certain, like it, it does you can't just loop it. It won't just stream. Mm-hmm. Like, and you have to turn it over after it runs out on the one side. <laughs> yep. So, from late 1974 to early 1983, the company's label design featured a painting of three famous Chicago buildings, Marina City, John Hancock Center, and one IBM Plaza. Oh, that's I cool. I think I might have to throw a Hail Mary, click on IBM Plaza, because I'm sure IBM did stuff with computers to go into space, right? Sure. Yes. It's, I mean, yeah, my my other like my other choices are the Village People, uh, John Cougar <laughs> Mellencamp, maybe. <laughs> Wait, what? I, I mean, mean, I mean, I mean, the Village People had an astronaut, right? Oh my gosh! Did they really? Bon Jovi. God, so great. Was Bon Jovi like he? He uh. <laughs> He was uh, instrumental in America's space program, right? Oh my gosh, you guys. This is going to be wow. the longest episode. I am clicking on IBM Plaza. All no, right. that's a good call. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Oh, How great a song put- is Mac the Knife? It's a great song. It's a pretty good song. <laughs> I love Mac the Knife. Yes. Uh, I don't want to touch too much on Armstrong now because I feel like he's a figure that we might come back to. Like I, I tend I to could, agree with you, yes. I could see us wanting to come back to him. Uh, yeah. I will say, uh, personal life, the, the subheadings for the personal life category are pronunciation of name, family, <laughs> personality, lit problems, nicknames, race, religion, personal habits, writings, and social organizations. Man, this guy's the best. <laughs> yeah, so that's a lot. Um, uh, the lip problem thing comes from the trumpet being really tough on lips and the way that he played the trumpet caused a lot of lip damage because mm. um, it it digs into the soft flesh of your inner lip. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's I bad. The, I did not know this. I played saxophone for a while and the saxophone did this, does the same thing because you like curl what? your bottom lip over your teeth and no. pressure it down and oh, you, no. you eventually <laughs> just get like essentially like callus uh on your lower lip like like the the inside of your lower lip why do we play those instruments i don't know but it's one reason that i just don't pick up my saxophone anymore (laughs) because it's like oh this hurts real bad oh my gosh Um, (laughs) oh my gosh eventually he took to uh he took to using salves and creams on his lips and also cutting off scar tissue with a razor blade oh my gosh Ah, what By the 1950s, he was an official spokesman for ANSA's Cream Lip Solve. <laughs> solve? Salve. We're all strong here for chapstick. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, just going to sit over here. You guys yeah. keep going. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, I'm looking at this. I mean, he has a long, he has a lot of stuff going on. Um. But I'm trying to get to space. Uh, the nice thing is, is I knew that he was around during a good, I mean, a good time. So 
Like this I is mean, this is prime time. Sure. You know what I mean? Yes. Like this is prime time for for, for Mercury. <laughs> yeah. So uh, prime it does, time for space. It's prime time for space. It does say under race. Um, he was largely accepted into white society, both on stage and off. A privilege reserved to very few African American public figures, and usually mm-hmm. those of either exceptional talent or fair skin tone. Great. That's cited. Yeah. Um, uh, he was actually, it kind of goes into detail here, but he was accused of other African-Americans of kind of uh, kowtowing to, to whites a little bit more than he should have and not standing up for for uh, uh, the civil rights right. movement as much as he should have. Um, right. Kind of just playing for segregated groups and not, you know, protesting that sort of thing. Uh, but it does say... Um, he did speak out against uh, President Eisenhower, calling him two-faced and gutless because of his inaction during the conflict over school uh, uh, desegregation in Little Rock. Oh, in Little Rock, yeah, yeah, in, in, yeah. Wow, which is something I think that yeah, everyone's going to stand up against. Uh, yeah, of course. At, at least you know, in that time, every African American. Yeah. Um, uh, the FBI kept a file on Armstrong for his outspokenness about integration. Um, I'm going to click on President Eisenhower. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I think I'm he's game. pretty close to, yeah. Presidents. All right. <laughs> Just presidents. How often have we come to, to a president in this, in this show? Just to try to get a range on during this time period, these five things happened. Yep, exactly. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the old so tried and I, true method. I love that oh. the, the wiki. Oh, what? No, nothing. I, I go ahead. I love that the wiki page for the for IBM Plaza. Just the top of the page or the title of the page isn't IBM Plaza. It's the literal address, like it's like it's frigging Thirty Rock or something. This is three thirty North Wabash. Yep, starring Tracy Morgan. Yep, (laughs) and and Stephen Baldwin. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Three thirty North Wabash, formerly IBM Plaza. Now also currently known as AMA Plaza for the American Medical Association. Oh, neat. They're the current current big tenants in there. But there's also a hotel. Um, 13 of the 52-story building, 13 levels. No, sorry. Floors <laughs> 2 through 13 of the 52-story building are a high-end hotel. Mm. Uh, it was named the best hotel in the United States by U.S. News in 2017. Wow. So good for them. Uh, but uh, apparently the American Medical Association performs these experiments in the upper floors. Uh, I don't actually know if they do experiments. I was going <laughs> to say, like, what kind of experiments are we talking? Like, experiments and paperwork. Ooh, those ooh. are the most dangerous kinds. Yeah, the most unethical. You guys, there's a great... Oh my gosh. There's a there's an image here that's a, the position in Chicago's skyline... To show, like, it's like someone's orienteering here. Mm-hmm. Hang on a second. I got to... Uh, Tim, can you share that in the in the uh, Skype chat for, for Sky? Okay. It'll make clicky sounds. Oh, no. <laughs> like... Well, I have to I have to go over to my comp- to my other computer, to my second computer, because that's the setup we have to live with right now. Oh, no. <laughs> to do it um, on my end. Here we go. It is Chicago skyline. I don't see where the all sweet Omni Plaza Hotel is, where guests of the <laughs> Oprah Winfrey Show stayed. This is such a great little image. It's like, like you can tell where you are by basing, you know, like oh well, the uh, the CNA t- Center is right there, and there's the Chase Tower, so therefore I must be here. I must be in Chicago. I must be in Lake Michigan. Hey, why don't you go and talk to Lake Point Tower? Like, I know he's just—he's shy. (laughs) Just (laughs) come on, join the group, Lake Point Tower. You ever just feel not so tall? Oh no! (laughs) Oh, I love all these. This is just so great, man. If Cleveland had this, we would have like three towers, like three, <laughs> three little flags. Yeah, Grand so, Rapids would have like two. So, <laughs> when IBM is one of your tenants, you tend to have certain things in your building that uh, would be commonly expected of mm. a technical 
building. Okay. Uh, it has its electrical system, environmental system, floor strength, and ceiling height on certain floors can support large raised floor computing centers. Uh, the intelligent <laughs> elevator system is a model of efficiency and rarely keeps anyone waiting for service. Hold on. How is that not like there's no citation. There's nothing there. Yeah, it's no. true. <laughs> and then we have a Chuck Norris sentence. IBM Plaza stayed dry during the 1992 Chicago flood. Right. During this it was flood, like Tupperware. <laughs> this building, uh, this building just avoided this flood. <laughs> <laughs> hydrophobic uh, materials <laughs> that's great so um, yeah I'm not really seeing anything spacey here except for IBM itself I mean I do love that there are two different um, two different film credits here this building is briefly seen in the film The Corporation and this building is used in The Dark Knight where is, where is the location of Harvey Dent's and Mayor Anthony Garcia's offices. That's yeah. kind of neat. Yeah, neat. It has two. This building has film credits. Sorry, go on. So I am I am clicking on IBM. You're just, you're just clicking on IBM. Got it. Yep. <laughs> yep. Makes sense. Let's make more general. Make it more general. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's go to Dwight D. Eisenhower. He is our thirty fourth president. What? What? After the Soviet Union launched Sputnik in 1957, Eisenhower uh, authorized the establishment of NASA, which led to the space race. Scott I thought Greg. I was to like, get to Kennedy or something, but nope. I can just, <laughs> Did you just go right here. Uh, right. During the Suez Crisis of 1956, Eisenhower condemned the Israeli, British, and French invasion of Egypt and forced them to withdraw. Uh, he also condemned the Soviet invasion during the Hungarian Revolution of 1956, but took no a- action. Um... It's a thing. It's a thing that happened. Yep. <laughs> that's a lot of things. Uh, oh, yeah, there's the U2 incident. Uh, that's that's how, you know, Bon Jovi could have gotten you here. Oh, my gosh. Some person. Wait, hold on. What? Is, bon Jovi. Bon Jovi's in U2, right? <laughs> Isn't that the guy? <laughs> sure. Isn't that a good joke? I'm just amazed that you remember that. <laughs> What the Bon Jovi's in you too? No, 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 no. That you wanted that you went back to some to that thing that we mentioned a while ago in the in the in the show that you wanted that that was a that was a tag that you held on to to see whether or not Bon Jovi could have gotten you. Yeah, well, when I saw you too, I was like, oh wait, maybe Tim. Like, well, because like sometimes Tim says things, and I'm like, maybe I'm just not smart enough to know what the oh, connection no. is, or maybe he's just being oh, no. goofy, I'm just obscure. And so yeah, like sometimes you're obscure, and you're just like, eh? and I'm like, uh-huh. I'm the I'm the Dennis Miller <laughs> of the like, group. Like maybe he actually did. Maybe that's what he was talking about. It was a U two incident. You guys are the best. Okay. I don't know, man. Um, I just want to point out, I can't believe that someone already did this. Or actually, I can, but Eisenhower was the only general to serve as president in the 20th century and was the most recent president to have never held electric, elected, elected, I I said electric there, held elected office prior to the presidency until one particular person who is already linked on this page who is our current president mm. someone oh. already did that that's that's impressive all right yep. so you're you're going to uh space race or something <laughs> one of those five links to <laughs> I'm, probably, I'm gonna go nasa okay that's a good call too <laughs> oh, no, NASA. why that sounds yes. like a reach NASA, NASA. Um, oh my gosh. Well, I didn't think that was going to be that direct. Thanks, thanks, Eisenhower. <laughs> um, okay. Well, Tim, let's talk about IBM. Yep. IBM is a technology company that has been around the block a few times. Mm-hmm. Originated in 1911 as the Computing Tabulating Recording Company. That's boring. <laughs> uh, IBM standed for International Business Machines, and it got that name in 1924. Uh, what is what would you say is its latest big deal? <laughs> what? what? Like the thing that it's most the thing that the newest thing that it's known the for. Right processor? Now. Yeah, I was gonna say like the whatever Big Blue or whatever it's called. 
Watson, not not what's Big Blue thing? anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm behind the times. They made they made something uh, smarter. Is that Watson? Watson? Watson, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And I always, I, I guess, I always expected that Watson was named after like the Sherlock Holmes character. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? No. What? It is named after Thomas J. Watson, who led the company from 1914 to 1956. That's creepy. And he created the yeah. company's <laughs> original motto: "Think." It. That was his slogan: "Was just think in capital it, letters." He died mysteriously in a fire. I was going to say, is it just there are, him? There are no eyewitnesses. <laughs> is is it just him in like reincarnated into this machine? Because oh that's gosh. how it's sounding That'd be like. amazing. HR Block is having him help us do our taxes. I, that's he, terrifying. I wanted to go amazing. on Jeopardy and just blow everyone out of the water. It was great. <laughs> Watch SNL IBM last Electronics night. and Necromancy. Oh. Uh, we watched SNL last night and there were commercials. And one of the commercials was H&R Block trying to like tout having having Watson to help you with your taxes. Like you can uh-huh. actually get the software to help. I don't know. It was bizarre. Uh, I did it. And yeah, they made a big deal about it. And I was like, all right. I, yeah. Can we just do this, please? I just need to get my taxes. Like, like I don't care. Whatever makes this happen faster. <laughs> I really don't care what the name of the computing system is. Thank you very much. Uh, so, so other IBM inventions that we uh, take for granted nowadays are the hard disk drive. They made that. Uh-huh. Um, DRAM. I don't know what that is. DRAM. DRAM. It's like a, it's like a barrel full of, of uh, or it's like a pint of whiskey or whiskey or meat or something like that. Oh, jeez. I logged into that. Yeah, you're uh, right. but I'm gonna ask my UPC computer code. friend. What did you say? I asked my computer friend Joe what DRAM is. Go ahead. I'll let you know if he answers. Okay. They made the UPC code. Really? And uh the magnetic stripe. Wow. Uh hey. very fashionable as long as you go vertical mm. with magnetic stripes. If you go horizontal, you just kinda look fat. I like that the Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I like that they, I just came down to that, to that image, Tim, that they just have the, they just have a picture here of all of these things. Here are mm-hmm. IBM's inventions and they actually read like clockwise from top left as though we don't know what those, like, I don't know what are. a dram is, Kyle. It's, it's memory, Tim. It's, it's memory. Data, <laughs> it's risky animal Data memory. Well, I mean, there's RAM. I'm just thinking yeah, this is sort of RAM. It's this RAM. is Dream RAM. <laughs> no. Is this the D? Maybe this is the D that Trump was talking about. Oh is it my the gosh. Easy Dram? Easy D. Uh. Okay, I'm just going to click on Oh, look at this. It's RAM with the word dynamic in front of it. So it's, it's like dynamic. a dynamic Dodge truck? Oh my gosh, I'm not... We're done. <laughs> we're done here. <laughs> hey, guess what? Guess what IBM did in 1963? Did they... Did they create Watson? Did did nope. Watson die in a mysterious fire and was no, they made they oh. they became a computer thing in the NASA. Oh no, I'm sorry. Yeah. That happened five years earlier or uh, seven years earlier because he died in '56. Okay, just sorry, real quick. Yeah, this is the spirit needed time to adjust <laughs> to learn how to learn how to exist within the wires. Oh. Uh. Joe says memory. Uh, in 1963, IBM employees and computers helped NASA track the orbital flight of the Mercury astronauts. Awesome. None of it is linked. What? Nope. Seriously? You got freaking American Airlines. You have Armonk, New York. You have Fortran. You have all these other things around it. This entire sentence is not linked. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You're right. Oh, my gosh, Tim. I'm so sorry. Failed me once again, Wikipedia. <laughs> That's that's so that's so sad. <laughs> it's just all right there. For the record, is Joe NASA said that it's even memory. linked in here? Oh, what? good. Thanks, thanks, Joe. NASA can you guys is hear me? linked in here, but someone's already there. I can mm-hmm. hear you. Oh, it's just like when I talk, like you don't stop and you just keep saying things, and then I never get to say anything, <laughs> which is fun. Like that's great. <laughs> oh no. Okay. Sorry, I, Sky. Sorry, you're feeling underappreciated. I I do that constantly. <laughs> like oh no. I just I actually thought it might be something wrong cuz I I just did it like 
three or four times in a row where I tried to get get an in and didn't happen. That's fine. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. He told me what he told me what it's an acronym for, but I'm I'll keep it to myself. Oh my gosh! Didn't uh, it was dynamic RAM, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Because <laughs> okay. All right. So. So someone's already at NASA, so I'm not going to go there. I, I will don't... go to Canadian astronaut Julie Payette. What? <laughs> uh, it. These are IBM alumni. I mean, I guess that's your. Oh, there's. Best. A, oh, I guess there's oh. astronaut Michael J. Massimino. <laughs> I suppose that's yeah. I mean, this that is really is... like. There are so many people that came from, like, NFL referee Bill Carollo came from IBM. I mean, sure. You need to have that background to make calls in the NFL. I don't know. I'm sorry. You've got, you got to have precision. <clears throat> What's that? Oh, yeah. Um, also, Thomas Watson Jr. served as the 11th National President of the Boy Scouts of America. I mean... They're they've they're connected everywhere. Okay, so so I have I have three interesting choices here. Mm. I have an American astronaut, Michael J. Massimino. Massimino. <laughs> sure. I have Canadian astronaut Julie Payette, and I just have the Canadian astronaut corps. All right, Tim. I'm going to just tell you this right out. You're probably going to want to go for like a, a long shot just because, I mean, Sky is on NASA. Right. But I, I want to go for the most interesting one. Oh, I see. Okay. I guess I want to learn more about Canadian astronauts. I'm going to the okay. Canadian Astronaut Corps. The Canadian Astronaut Corps. The CSA. Corps. I'm. Wait, what? Yeah. Oh, this Canadian Space Agency. I was like, that's oh, right, not right, what right, that. Yeah. I'm like, that's not what that. <laughs> All right. Well, oh, we'll get to talk about a really cool guy who's on Twitter occasionally. <laughs> um, oh, that's right. Yeah. All right. Uh, Sky, this is all you. Let's talk about NASA. It's NASA. <laughs> you want to pull apart this page? <laughs> oh, man. I don't want to pull apart this page. It's <laughs> a, a lot. There's wow. a lot here. Uh, it talks about Eisenhower establishing it, and it says that it was a distinctly civilian rather than military orientation um, and encouraged peaceful applications in space science. Hmm. Uh, the National Aeronautics and Space Act was passed on July 29, 1958, disestablishing NASA's predecessor, the National Advisory Committee for Aeronautics. Uh, the new agency became operational on October 1st, 1958. Um, and since that time, most U.S. space exploration efforts have been led by NASA. Uh, NASA, science, uh, NASA science is focused on better understanding Earth through the Earth observing system, advancing uh, heliophysics through the efforts of the Science Mission Directorate's Heliophysics Research Program, Okay, exploring bodies throughout the solar system with advanced robotic spacecraft missions such as New Horizons, and researching astrophysics topics such as the big bang through the great observatories through the great observatories which is linked and associated <laughs> programs nasa shares data with various uh national and international organizations such as the greenhouse gases observing satellite just checking out them gases yeah um <laughs> man what was its man programs there's a rocket plane in 1959 uh, the X-15 was an NACA experimental rocket-powered hypersonic research craft. Uh, that's kind of cool. That that sounds kind of awesome, yes. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, it's crazy how Project Mercury is like one of the first things they did. You know what I mean? When they became NASA. You think... Well, you, you know... You, I mean, I guess they, <laughs> I guess they needed to go big. Like, there yeah. was a race happening. <laughs> Uh, I mean, the expression is not the expression is shoot for the stars. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like, it's not. It's not. Maybe go fast in the air. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, shortly after the space race began, an early objective was to get a person into Earth orbit as soon as possible. Therefore, the simplest spacecraft that could be launched by existing rockets was favored. The U.S. Wow. Air Force's Man in Space Soonest program. <laughs> <laughs> the U.S. Air Force's, and these are capital M, Man in capital space, and the capital S, <laughs> Soonest. Like they believed the Man in Space be, yeah. Soonest program considered many manned spacecraft designs, ranging from rocket planes like the X-15 to small ballistic space capsules. Uh, by 1958, <laughs> the space plane concepts were eliminated in favor of the ballistic capsule. Um, so yeah uh, Na- when NASA was created the same year the Air Force program was transferred and renamed Project Mercury the first seven astronauts were selected among candidates from the Navy Air Force and Marine test pilot programs uh, Alan Shepard became the first American <laughs> in space aboard Freedom 7 uh, launched by a Redstone booster on a 15 minute ballistic suborbital flight and then John Gen- Glenn became the first American to be launched into orbit by an Atlas launch vehicle on February 20th 1962 aboard Friendship 7 um, yeah so they did they did good stuff yeah good it's pretty cool stuff and yeah that's there it is Project Mercury well kind of Project Mercury it I, is that's, that's kind of. is this fair <laughs> it's there's I a mean, main article linked, but Project Mercury is in itself linked. It, within the article directly underneath the heading for Project Mercury, there's a main article uh, heading that says Project Mercury, and that's linked. Yep. I mean, I'm, I'll allow it if Tim will allow it. <laughs> I allow it. <clears throat> All right. It sounds like we have it sounds like we have a, a, a quorum then. Well done. Hey. Mm-hmm. Can I talk a little bit about the, the Canadian no. Astronaut Corps? No. I mean, there's really not a whole lot to say, unfortunately. No, I, I do actually want to hear about the Canadian Astronaut this, Corps. This is kind of a like a, a sadly short article. Oh, my gosh. For an interesting uh, organization. <laughs> uh, so, uh, the Canadian Astronaut Corps, a unit of the Canadian Space Agency... Uh, selects, trains, and provides astronauts as crew members for U.S. and Russian space missions. It was established in 1989. Uh, since 1984, when Marc Garneau became the first Canadian in space, 11 Canadians have flown on U.S. NASA space shuttles and on Russian Soyuz rockets in 15 missions. Uh, one of the more famous recently, of course, uh, as you mentioned earlier, was Chris Hadfield. Yeah. Uh, the first Canadian commander of the International Space Station. Who went on to achieve worldwide fame in 2013 for releasing a music video he recorded <laughs> on the International Space Station of his version of David Bowie's song Space Oddity. Nice. There's another cool thing, though, that we the Canadian about this Space in so Agency. Long. Yeah. Do it. Do it. What? <laughs> Talk about it. No, there's another thing. Oh. I'm yes. talking about something else now. That's, that's, that's so 2013, Kyle. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Go on. So. The robotic arm that you see on space shuttles. <laughs> Did you know that it was? It's called the Canadarm. Yes. What? Yes. You guys, I swear we've talked about this on a past episode. I would have remembered this. <laughs> and we did talk about robotic arms at one time. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> did we? Sure. Did we? Did we mention the word? <laughs> maybe we'll have to go to our to our listeners on this to, to see i'm pretty sure we talked about the canadarm the canadarm if only it we is had such it. a great portmanteau <laughs> if only we had like a database of all of the pages we visited i know we keep talking about needing to do that we haven't yet but but we're never going to do that no that's impossible <laughs> that's crazy one more thing, the CSA generally recruits astronauts who have degrees as scientists, engineers, and or medical doctors. In addition to being Canadian citizens or residents, candidates must meet certain physical standards, including height, weight, hearing, and visual acuity. Mm. Uh, so you must have height and weight in order to be an astronaut. <laughs> I mean... Just so you know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, generally speaking, they all do. I, that, mm-hmm. that, that's not... Again, that's not wrong. They, they do. And I guess until they get into space, in which case they don't have weight any longer. They right. still have height, though. So, you know, that's um, not going anywhere. 
so yeah, there there was nothing that was going to be linking directly to. Although maybe I guess if you if you go faster than the speed of light at some point, your height would be different, but only to someone from outside your frame of reference, right? What? Your height would be different in space? <clears throat> wouldn't you be distorted, or wouldn't you look like distorted or something like that? I don't know about I'm that. Not good at, but I just know that I'm not good at physics. I'm sorry. I just know that astronauts do get taller in space because they're Whoa, they don't seriously? have gravity pushing on them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. What? Wait. Yes. What? Yeah, you're you're shorter than you would be in zero gravity because all your all your body bones and stuff are being pushed oh. down to the ground. <laughs> what? I mean, you're slightly you are slightly taller in the morning, like by a very yes. small what? degree, than at night because you've been standing up all day. And your your like spinal column, you know, kind of compresses yeah. a, a little. Mm-hmm. This is blowing my mind right now. I'm sorry. I. I you're I've never thought about that I guess yeah wow well, the body's okay. got like so many other like, like adaptations <laughs> like you think that you think that all, after all these years I'd be like man let's let's not let's let's come up with something else here <laughs> let's come up with some cushions or something to make this, this is not a bad a thing, idea but yeah nope <laughs> oh my gosh I did not I did not realize that what well well, so, okay. Yeah, that's uh, that's all I wanted to say about Canada. <laughs> <laughs> well, we finally covered we Canada, guys. <laughs> you can all stop writing us. <laughs> um, well, uh, Sky, you got us Project Mercury, so do you want to talk about it a little bit? Uh, I kind of did a little bit in, on the, yeah. the NASA page. Um, but... Uh, y'all should go see Hidden Figures, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, that's really what we came here for. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it, it, you guys have all, have both seen it, right? I know Sky has, right? Yeah, I did. I don't think, did you yeah, see it? Yeah, I have not seen it. Yeah. You should. It's really good. Um, but but Lego Batman's out. Uh huh. That's supposed to be good too, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't don't diss Lego uh, Batman, I guess. No, no, no. Just the the yeah. one thing that I've heard movies. about it. <laughs> the one thing that I've heard about it is that uh, Stephen told me that apparently there is a scene in which the in, in the Lego Batman movie in which the Joker rubs his butt on the Batmobile and says, "More like the Buttmobile." Wow, that's and, real good. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, that's that's probably the the height of my. <laughs> humor if i were in that situation yeah i can't say i would do differently i guess i mean if i, if I had to watch a kid's movie i think that would be the one right now <laughs> the <one with> butt <laughs> rubbing um, i guess that's it <laughs> um i something about this The uh, the symbol for the Mercury Project is really <laughs> badass. It's it's not it's not someone with dwarfism they hired to be their mascot. No. What? Which, by the way, I looked up and it's uncomfortable, you guys. What's uncomfortable? Uh, the, the Mercury uh, Records mascot. Yeah, oh right. Eddie, Eddie, what was it? Gibbles. Yeah, it was. The images that they have are not, let's say, not respectful. Oh, boy. Yeah. Mm. Anyway. Anyway. That's it. (laughs) 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 Mercury 7, you guys. Mm. Uh, No, it it is actually pretty cool. uh, I've read a few different, um, like, uh, biographies about people involved in the space race kind of accidentally uh bumping into people uh or talking or reading about people that were in uh involved in that time period it's it's really fascinating um but then also to see that movie man that was so that was so good and so intense and to see to see the that time uh to see those events through through that that lens was really intense um was really good though um, all right. Well, congratulations, Sky. You got us to Pro- Project Mercury. Way to um, go. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, in your your travels, uh, <clears throat> you didn't have to quite go to space for it. Although I guess technically our our podcast did go to space for this this episode. And mm-hmm. I mean, I'll never turn down a chance to talk about the Canadarm. I mean, that's just that's Canadarm. just a fact about this. Yeah, about this podcast, we'll we'll talk about it as often as we can. Uh, but if you want to hear us talk about that more, you can check out some of our other episodes. Uh, you can find us on uh, on iTunes and on Google Play or on Stitcher. Uh, just ser- search for "We Should Know Better." You can find us at our website. Uh, we should. WSKBcast.blogspot.com. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at WSKBcast and by searching for us on Facebook just for We Should Know Better. Um, you should uh, you should check out all of those things. And if you get a chance, uh, maybe on any of those places where you do find our podcast, if you could leave us a review, that would be really cool of you. Um, but yes. anyway, uh, yeah. So, uh so I'm I'm gonna have to get started on those edible arrangements though because I I think that the uh, I think that ribs one is going to be a little bit tough to put together. Yep. Um. So I'm gonna get started on that and I will see you guys later on. Night. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Have, have a good Valentine's, you guys. <laughs> Thanks.